Welcome to Hunting Stories, brought to you by Late to the Game Outdoors. Everyone loves a good story, and hunters have some of the best. Our whole mission is to collect and share great stories from hunters just like you, to entertain and keep you motivated all year long. So, pull up a seat around the campfire, because here we go. And we're back. It has been a while. I'm aware of that. I apologize to those of you who are subscribing, uh, but I promise we are back on the wagon, uh, lining up some some calls and some interviews with a bunch of different people to just get a ton of stories out there in the coming months. To get us started, I wanted to share what is uh, not actually a fun story to tell other than the fact that it was just... It was crazy. It was one of the crazier experiences I've ever had bow hunting, and uh, I, I still don't know exactly what to think of it. But this is a story of an animal that got away, uh, which sucks, but I feel like I need to put a little trigger warning out there uh, that an animal will be wounded and an animal will not be found. Anyway, setting up this tragic tale of woe, here's what happened. Uh, my brother-in-law put in for an archery javelina tag that would coincide with a good chunk of Arizona's January deer season. Uh, so we put in for a unit where I typically hunt uh, mule deer in January, and I had, I run into pigs every now and then. And actually, flashback to uh, our, our seasons here are awesome, but there's like a December archery deer season, and then January rolls around, it's the start of a new year, you can buy a new tag, and there's a January archery deer season. It's actually a great state, you should come on down. Anyway, uh, three days, three, two days, like right before the January season was going to start, I was hunting the tail end of the December season, uh, for deer. And I was just sitting up on a hillside glassing and the sun had been up for maybe half an hour. And suddenly I hear, you know, all the snorting and chomping and the, the distinct noises of javelina. And sure enough, this pack of, you know, only like four or five, but these kind of big fat pigs went just cruising down the hill at about 30 yards from me. And all I could think in my head was, man, if this was like 36 hours later, I would have a valid javelina tag in my pocket and it would be game on for these pigs. Flash forward, fast forward, whatever. Fast forward to January and uh, all craziness broke loose in my house. So uh, I have three kids and a wife and all of us spent most of January just passing the plague around to each other. Like somebody or multiple people, including myself, were sick all the time through January. So all the hunts I had planned really got screwed up. But I was able to find one day uh, in the middle of the javelina season where uh, my brother-in-law and I decided, okay, we can get out for a day to chase some pigs. Uh, and it wasn't in the spot I intended. It was much closer. It was a like, hey, we could drive there and hike up to this hillside. And, and my brother-in-law had a tip on an area that, that proved to be awesome for pigs. Uh, so we, we get out there right at sunrise one morning and, and hike up and we, we kind of split up to two different sides of this, uh, this ridge line. And I had just barely gotten set up on my tripod, ready to glass. And, uh, Zach texts me, Hey, I've got pigs over here. So I pack all my stuff back up and we go over and sure enough, he's got like 15 pigs just kind of coming out to feed on this hillside. And so we were looking at him and we kind of devise our play for how we're going to kind of get down and then close the distance on them. Uh, we spent just the good part of the morning, like they were feeding kind of towards us. So we moved down to where we thought we might intercept them. We kind of both posted up maybe a hundred yards from where they were. 
nothing was happening. And so then we decided to kind of keep moving our way in. And just based on how the, the draws and the washes are there, I happened to be a little further uphill in a better spot. And so I ended up out in front of Zach and was able to dip down and through this drainage and uh, and saw the last couple of pigs. Like I, I knew there were more around, but I could got, get my eyes on a couple of them and just creep my way, uh, ranging, creeping, ranging, creeping, finally got into 46 yards on one of them, but he was just kind of down this hill. So all I could see was the top three or four inches of his back. And so I, I went to take just a couple more steps to try to get a better angle to where I could draw and shoot. And sure enough, I busted out or spooked uh, one of the hidden javelina I had lost sight of in the brush, and the hillsides just erupted. Uh, I came to full draw and was just moving around trying to, to see if any of these pigs were going to stop. Uh, Zach was a little bit behind me, but he saw the whole thing go down. He hopped on a call, which sometimes just kind of confuses or stops or in crazy cases makes him come on in. Uh, but th they just all kind of freaked out, blew out, rallied together, and took off. So that was kind of a bummer, but exciting. Morning was still young, so we went up on this next hillside and again kind of split up to glass. And I moved a couple different times just to get different vantage points. And and we can hear voices. Uh, and Zach, from his vantage point, had a better view that there were actually four guys on horses just kind of cruising up the bottom of the canyon. And, and they must have spooked the pigs because over on the next hillside, I see what I think is the same group of, you know, a dozen, 15 pigs moving their way up and over this hill. And so I tell him where, where I'm at and that I'm going to chase after them. He's going to loop around because he's got eyes on this other set. And so I come down through this canyon and up the steep side of it and and am starting to just crest this hill. So I'm moving into uh, where I figured I was a couple hundred yards out. And so I, just as I start to slow my pace, suddenly I, I catch some movement and some snorting. Uh, and before I know it, I'm into these pigs. Like they were closer than I thought they'd be. And so uh, I slow way down, I get an arrow knocked, and I'm just creeping one step at a time. Finally, I get a visual on a couple of pigs and they're behind this big, thick Palo Verde tree. And, uh, and th that tree is right at 48 yards. So the pigs are directly behind it, I'm guessing they're at about 50. Javelina is a 30 pound animal-ish. Like It's a small target at 50 yards. So while I'll shoot a block all day at 50 and I've got pins out to 70, man, those pigs look really small at the end of that. So I wanted to get closer, but I had ended up because they were closer than I expected. I hadn't put myself in a very good stalking position and it's just kind of open desert between me and them. And I can't close that much distance. And just as I'm trying to look for a better route of attack, one of these pigs makes his way to the side of this Palo Verde tree, and now he's sitting out in the open, right at 50 yards. So I think, okay, well, this, this is quite an opportunity. I should have this shot all day long, and so I draw back, settle in on him. It, it's that typical, if you've ever actually drawn and fired on an animal, like, you can take thousands of shots at the range, hopefully everything's automatic, but just time stands still, and you can't really remember what your brain was doing at the time. But uh, I, I settle in on him, put my 50 pin right where I want it to be, and release, and I hear a sound, like I hear an impact sound uh, that I can't be quite sure what it is, and, and this pig and then another couple pigs that were still in and around the bushes, they all kind of scurry and scatter around, and, and I watch this pig move again behind that same Palo Verde tree, and he spits out onto this other side of it, still in the open, facing the other direction, and he just stops. He's just standing there. 
And so I, th I think in my head, okay, I heard a sound. He's just stopped, even though there's obviously danger around. He must be wounded. Let me put another arrow in him. I don't take the time to range again. I just, he's all around the same tree. So I'm still, okay, he's got to be right at 50. So this time I settle in and I'm thinking, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to expedite his death because he must already be hit. And so this time I take, take a deep breath and I remember consciously thinking through my shot sequence and I release the arrow and I don't know what goes wrong, but I know I hit it. I hear the sound and I hear him start barking and he starts spinning and he's biting at this arrow. And as I see all this going down and he starts to trot away, to my horror, I see my arrow sticking out of his hindquarter. Hey guys, this is Eric from Late to the Game Outdoors and producer of Hunting Stories. And I wanted to thank Bun and Beanster for making this show possible. These guys are the real deal. Whether you're a seasoned business owner or a startup or running a side hustle like I am, they can help you with your branding, logo, easy to manage websites, and fresh creative ideas for your business. They can also help you look the part by helping you design those tricky one-off events. They deliver amazing printed goods, quality apparel, even signage. Truly a one-stop creative shop, and they stand by their work guaranteed. For free consultations and useful resources, go to bunandbeanster.com to check them out or catch them on Instagram at bunandbeanster. Now back to the show. I had hit him just dead center in his rear ham, and he's trotting off. And so I, I'm just thinking, oh, crap, that's a terrible, terrible shot. In my head, I still thought, okay, well, uh, well, I hit him once. Maybe the first shot was better, and it sucks that I hit him in the leg, but, you know, he's going to wander off, and I'll, I'll find him in just a little bit. So I take a deep breath. I text Zach, hey, I've got arrows and a pig. Uh, if you want to come help me track him down. And so he, he had wandered up and in a totally different direction of the hill. So, so I just kind of moved my way up to where the first shot happened to try to just assess, you know, go full CSI on the situation, see what's going on. Uh, and it doesn't take too long. I, I find my arrow and sadly it is bone dry. It was a clean miss. Whatever sound I heard was the sound of the arrow hitting a bush or a rock. Uh, arrows bent, the, the broadheads deployed and bent. Uh, there's not a sign that this ever touched an animal. So I think, shoot, that, that means the only shot I put in him is the one right in his rear hindquarter. And unless I clip an artery, that's not a great shot. Uh, I mean, it's not a great shot to begin with, but unless I clip an artery, I don't know that that's going to be a fatal shot. Um, uh, again, like uh, a deer or an elk, a much bigger, hardier animal, uh, could I would be pretty confident, okay, they could just walk that off. But I also have in my head, well, this is the first time I've shot a javelina with a bow. I don't know, what's, what does a two-inch broadhead hole in his back leg do to this guy? Like, could that be fatal no matter what? Could Even though I saw a ton of arrows sticking out, maybe it still went through the ham and got some vitals or... I don't know. So so I move, my, move over to where the second shot happened and pretty quickly I pick up some blood. Um, and it's just that like bright red... Uh, meat blood. It's it's not bubbly. Uh, it's not tons of it. Uh, it's, it's not looking as I start to to trail it. It's not getting more and more like as if I had hit his femoral artery. So I'm just thinking, well, shoot, this thing's this thing is wounded. I have no idea if this will kill it or not because it's such a small animal. But I better start tracking. So. I slowly, painstakingly track this blood trail, and it's, uh, if you've ever just hit an animal in the meat, it's this kind of like, it starts off decent, and then it becomes kind of like sprinkles here or there, 
and and then every now and then, like when they stop or maybe lean up against something, you'll get another big chunk and then it'll be sprinkles. And so I'm tracking this for 250, 300 yards. And I track it all the way to the edge of this hill where, where it bombs off into this steep drainage. Uh, th this area just has these like washes, drainages. They, they look like mini canyons. And the hillsides are all dotted with these little javelina caves. It's a great javelina spot. The, the guy who gave my brother-in-law that tip was not lying. Uh, but it, it, his blood trail just kind of bombs off the edge of this. So I, I follow it down. And, and there's this little trail a few feet down on the kind of cliff face. And I follow the blood, and then there's a bigger pool of it right in front of the mouth of this little javelina cave. And I think, well, shoot, he, he went into this cave, and he's either lying dead back there or he's wounded back there. And I'm all about, like, doing everything in your power to track down an animal you've hit, but I am not crawling into a javelina cave. Like, that'll be the last thing I ever do with a normal-looking face. And so I... I try to the best of my ability to see into that cave. I'm not going to crouch down right in front of it, but it's on this steep face, so there's not much I can do. So right in front of the cave, there's this this big desert bush that I could kind of use to, to support myself. And so I come down and around where I can get an angle where I could still be standing, where I could have an arrow knocked, but I could see to as far into that cave as I could. And even from that vantage point, I can't see the back of it. So I think, oh, shoot, he is just deep in there. And I'm, I'm never going to get him back. Either he's alive and maybe he'll come back out at some point, but uh, I can't crawl in after him. I can't see him to put another shot in there. This is the end. And so I, I hike back up to the top of the hill and I just sit there to wait for my brother-in-law. And, and at this point, it's starting to sink in like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to recover this animal. Like this is the first time I've made a bad shot, wounded an animal, and it got away. Uh, which tons of bow hunters have that experience. I've always been told if you bow hunt long enough, this is going to happen eventually. <sighs> but I, I never wanted it to. I was hoping somehow I could be the exception. And so as I'm sitting there for a few minutes, just kind of feeling the weight of all this, I see my brother-in-law start coming up the hill towards me, and he's gesturing across the canyon. Uh, but I, I, don't, I can't hear him. I don't know what he's talking about. And he, he gets up to me and he says, is that him right there? And I look across the canyon and there's this lone javelina outside the mouth of a different javelina cave, clear on the other side of this small little drainage canyon thing. And he's just leaning up against the wall, and there is just his right hindquarter is coated in blood. And I think, holy crap, that is the javelina. I, I guess he stopped in front of that cave maybe didn't necessarily go in, but like continued on down and somehow with this horribly wounded leg made his way down one side and up the other side of this canyon. Uh, cause the, the caves aren't connected like underground all the way across. So uh, it, it's essentially like he teleported over there. Uh, but, but he's standing right there all by himself. He's not really going anywhere. He's trying not to put any weight on that leg and I range him and he's right at 70 yards. And so my first inclination is, okay, my last pin is 70. He's not moving. He's in the wide open. I could just take my time, make the absolute perfect shot, and put him out of his misery right there. But my brother-in-law, who had now arrived, uh, said, no, man, I think, I think you might have better shot if I just keep the glass on him and you try to find a way down up over this canyon, uh, get on his side, you can close the distance, you can put a better shot, which seemed logical, made sense at the time. And so he sits down with his glasses on this pig who's just kind of, I mean, he's just kind of hobbling his way away. He, I 
he was looking at us like he knows we're there. Um, and so I start to try to to just hoof it across that canyon and, and kind of take a, a roundabout way to intercept the general direction. He's slowly moving. And on my way down, this this giant boulder slips out from under my feet and just goes crashing to the bottom. And I look up at the pig and he gets this second wave of adrenaline and just <laughs> essentially on three legs goes sprinting up and across this hill. And I'm like, oh, geez, this, I don't think I'm ever going to catch this thing. So, so Zach's watching him and I finally get up over to his side and I'm creeping into the last place I saw him going. Uh, I get on the phone with Zach and he's trying to talk me in and guide me with some landmarks. And he's saying, I saw him go into this thick stuff. I never saw him come out. And so I get up to where that thick stuff is. I've got an arrow drawn. I'm ready to either find him piled up dead or find him kind of wounded somewhere where I can put a final arrow in him. And there's nothing there. I start gritting the area. Uh, Zach on the phone says, okay, I'll come on over and help you track. And he got to the other side of the canyon and picked up a blood spot here. And we would tape it off and then, you know, walk another 15, 20 yards, find another tiny speck of blood. And we went back and forth. We would move down the blood trail. It would dry up. We'd go back to the last marked spot. We would take a different route. We, we just kept doing everything we could to track this thing down. But somehow he gave us the slip. I think from the time I took the shot to the time that we accepted this guy was gone, we spent two and a half, maybe three hours trying to track down this pig. Uh, but he got away. And so it was, you know, 2.33 o'clock at that point. We had a couple hours of sunlight left. Uh, I was feeling terrible. Uh, I already felt terrible. And then seeing him the second time and watching him, just the way he was hobbling along on that leg, yeah, it was just sick to my stomach. So I decided at that point I, I was done. I wasn't going to put an arrow in another javelina if we saw one. Uh, if I managed to glass up that same wounded pig, obviously I would go in again and try to finish him off. But uh, Zach and I hiked up the next ridgeline and, and split up and I glassed for him and we, we didn't turn anything up that late afternoon, evening, uh, we, we bailed out of there. And, and honestly, that was the only day I made it out during Havelina season. I, I got back that night, started feeling worse, woke up the next morning, just totally sick. Uh, and then January continued with illness all over my household. But it was, uh, if it was going to be one of the only days of January, I got to hunt. It was definitely an exciting one, uh, and a bizarre one. And to this day, I am not totally sure how that pig made his way all the way across the canyon. Uh, and it's going to be a mystery that haunts me for the rest of my life. As always, thanks so much for listening. Uh, please uh, subscribe. If, if you feel like leaving a review, that would be super helpful. Uh, and, and I promise if you are a subscriber, content is going to be coming out on this podcast regularly from here on out. Uh, a lot of things happened, including the sickness in my house that just kind of derailed everything, but we're picking up the pieces. We're getting momentum again. Uh, so subscribe and be on the lookout for the next batch of hunting stories. Cause, oh man, some of the stories that I know are coming your way from, uh, friends and family of mine are going to be amazing. So thanks again. And we will see you next time on hunting stories. Thanks so much for tuning in to hunting stories. And if you want to stay up on what we're doing with the podcast or anything else going on with Late to the Game, go ahead and check us out at latetothegameoutdoors.com or give us a follow on Instagram at latetothegameoutdoors. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.